Good evening, Central Wesleyan family and friends. We're so glad you've joined us for another midweek here at Central Online. What a wonderful presence of the Lord we experience as we worship with Bree and my wife Catherine just now. I just trust that wherever you are, you're, you're experiencing that goodness of God right where you are in your living room or in your homes. Well, tonight we're going to jump into some scripture for just a few minutes and we're going to be continuing on, continuing on with the theme that we've been talking about on the weekends with open water. And the idea is that when you're in open water, like a season like now, things are unsure. You, there's no landmarks to guide you, so you have to have waypoints. And tonight I just want to talk about a few ways that we can handle being in unsure season, handle being in this time of open water. And what helps with being in a season of unsurety, what helps with being in, a, in an insecure season is, is not just waypoints, but also having a destination in mind. See, the waypoints are really only useful if you know where you're going. Uh, several years ago when I was a teenager, I had just graduated from high school and a few of my high school friends decided to take a backpacking trip on South Manitou Island. South Manitou Island is a wilderness island in the middle of Lake Michigan. Literally nothing there but forest. It's about three miles wide by seven miles long. So it's not a huge island. And we got off the ferry boat and we backpacked a few miles into our campsite, which is going to be on the east side of the island. We were on the east side, right on the shore. And we set up our tent, we had dinner, and we noticed the sun was beginning to sink low in the sky. And we thought, well, hey, let's hike quickly to the west side of the island so we can see this sunset over Lake Michigan. So we kind of just threw our stuff down and, and, and made down the trail, several mile hike to the other side of the island. And it did not disappoint. We got there and saw the most glorious sunset. And so we went down by the water and just enjoyed the, the time of, of day and the sun setting over Lake Michigan. But there was a problem. When the sun set, obviously it became very dark and we forgot to bring any flashlights. So it's quickly getting darker, so we head back into the woods. And if you've ever been in the forest at nighttime, you know it is very hard to see. In fact, we could barely see our hands in front of our faces. And to make matters worse, it's a dune forest, so there's a lot of steep ravines and kind of dangerous places to be. So we're getting nowhere. We couldn't find the trail. We're lost in the woods in the dark. So we thought, well, we, what we better do is go back to the beach. And we know it's an island, it's a relatively small island, so as long as we stay on the shore and walk all the way around the island, we should be able to get back to our campsite eventually. So that's what we did. We headed back to the shoreline and the moon was out and so you could kind of see, because it's open water, so you could kind of see and, and we made our way and eventually, about two or three in the morning, made it back to our tent and back to our campsite. What made that journey better was knowing where we were going. When we were in the woods and we were lost and we didn't know where we were going, we couldn't find any waypoints, we didn't know where we were, that was an awful place to be. But as long as we knew that we had a destination in mind and we knew that we were going to get there, even though it was going to take a long time, it made the journey much more enjoyable. And so lately I've been thinking about the season of time that the followers of Jesus were in between the time when Jesus resurrected and the day of Pentecost. And so when Jesus rose from the dead and the day of Pentecost is around 40 or, or 50 days, and they were together with him for the most part until the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is when, when the Spirit of God came from heaven and filled the believers, and they were filled with power, enabling them to be witnesses, and the church was born 
at that moment. The church just rapidly expanded uh, because of the, the power of the Spirit of God inside of the believers. But I'm thinking about that time between resurrection and Pentecost. What an interesting season. You know, we, had just, we just talked about Easter uh, just a few weeks ago, and, and we, we discussed how the disciples were, were sheltering in place out of fear of the Jews and the Romans, and they were, they were afraid and locked down in their homes. And then the resurrected Jesus shows up, and their fear turn, turns to excitement and joy. And imagine the, the wonder of those days. They're spending all kinds of time with Jesus as he's downloading to them the last a bit of his message while he's on earth. And then comes this interesting time where he, he brings him up onto a mountaintop and he says, hey guys, uh, go to Jerusalem, wait till the, till, the, till the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. And then he just kind of takes off. He, he ascends into heaven and into the, the heavenly realm. It's the ultimate mic drop. Let's read about it in uh, Acts chapter one, verse six through nine says this, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. After this, after he said this, he was taken up as they were watching and a cloud took him out of their sight. I mean, look, this is so dramatic. This is like the ultimate mic drop. The, the disciples are together with Jesus. They ask him a simple question. They're like, hey, is the kingdom coming now? Are you going to overthrow the Romans? Is now the time you're going to do that? And he's like, guys, guess what? That's above your pay grade. That's not a question that, you're, that I'm going to answer right now because it's not anything you need to know. But what will happen is I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and you're going to be witnesses everywhere. And I can just imagine as, as Jesus is, is going through this list of where they're going to be witnesses. So he said, you're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. And I can just picture the disciples, the followers of Jesus saying, oh, okay, yeah, Jerusalem, great, let's go there. You're going to be my witnesses in Judea, to the surrounding area, kind of their state that they're used to. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, great. Let's go to Judea. And then he says, Samaria. And I can kind of just imagine in my mind, the disciples getting a little uneasy. Well, Samaria, I guess, okay, yeah, I guess there was that one lady he met at the well, and he, you know, that kind of went okay, so yeah, maybe Samaria will be good too, and then he says, to the ends of the earth, and I can just imagine the disciples saying, wait, what? You know, that was way outside of what they were thinking was going to happen, and so they're in this, this season, so before they can even get clarity, before they can even ask any clarifying questions, Jesus kind of drops the mic and just takes off. So here they are in a season of open water again. Hey, let's look at, the, for the next few minutes, I want to look at what they did in this season and what we can do in a season of open water, of unsurety. So first of all, in times of, of open water, it's good for us to see our limitations, to see our limitations. Now, as human beings, we don't like limitations, especially as Americans, our American culture, we don't like limitations. We say things like no limits. We're going to overcome. We're going to conquer. We're going we're gonna to make sure that we can do all these things. There's no limitations. We don't like them. But it's good for us as people and as Christians, as believers, to see that we are limited, that we are not all knowing. So let's look at what Jesus 
said to them when they asked the question, hey, Jesus, is right now you're going you're gonna to restore the kingdom to the Jews? What does Jesus say? You don't need to know that. You are not all-knowing. And it's okay for us to, to, to accept and to acknowledge that we have limitations. The Father has set certain times and seasons by His own authority, and it's not for us to know. See, we don't have and cannot have all the power. We, we don't have and cannot have all the answers. And, you know, in this world of social media, I, I feel like we, are, we feel so much pressure to be experts in everything. You know, we, we, want, we need to, to give our opinion on infectious diseases, so we need to be experts on that. We need to give our opinion on constitutional law, so we, we, become, we feel this pressure to be experts at everything and have the answer for everything. You know, can I just tell you guys, it's okay to not have all the answers. Sometimes the most powerful thing that we can say, the most wise thing we can say is, I don't know. And you know, the good thing with that is, when we see our limitations, it makes us reliant on the one who doesn't have limitations. When we recognize that we are just human beings with limits, it makes us more dependent upon the God who doesn't have limitations and that he knows everything. I love this verse in Psalm 131. The psalmist says this, he says, look, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forever. See, what, what's the psalmist saying there? What's David saying there? He's saying, look, there's some things that I'll never understand, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to calm my soul down. I'm going to calm my emotions down. I'm going to calm my mind down and be like a child being comforted in the arms of his mother. And guess what? I'm going to put my hope and trust in the one who does know it all. See, in times of open water, it's a great time to just say, God, you are the Lord and you are sovereign and I am not. It's a great time to recognize who we are before him. So you didn't say, look, guess what? I don't get it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. One of the accounts of, of scripture is that after Jesus ascended, did his mic drop and ascended, one of the accounts is that the disciples, the, the followers of Jesus, they got together and they praised him day and night, it says, in the temple. So they went from that place and of, of uncertainty. Now they're going to have to see this movement and message go forward without Jesus being in the flesh. But guess what? They trusted him. They trusted that what he said would come to pass. So they went to Jerusalem and waited. Hey, let's read about it in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, what happened on the day of Pentecost after they waited. It says this in Acts chapter 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devout people from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. And they were astounded and amazed saying, look, 
Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Guys, this is a dramatic day in the life of the early church. Let's recount this again. A sound like a violent rushing wind comes from heaven. Physical flames of fire appear. They can actually see them with their physical eyes and they're hovering above the disciples. And then they begin to speak in a language they had not previously learned, but empowered by the Spirit. That language coming from their gut, speaking it out. And then, they, and then there's a group of people gathered around the house and they, they could hear the, the sound. It was so loud. They could, they could hear it and they're gathered and they hear the wonders of God being spoken in their native tongue. And they're amazed. They're amazed. And later on, we find out that Peter, one of the disciples, stands up. He preaches a message and 3,000 people give their lives to Christ that day. They come into faith in Christ. And I submit to you guys that had Jesus sat down and told them in detail what was going to happen, had he sat down and said, hey, okay, guys, listen, on the day of Pentecost, during the Feast of Pentecost, you're going to be together, and there's going to be a violent wind that comes, and there's going to be flames that appear, and you're going to speak in a language you haven't known, and all these people are going to come to faith. I submit to you that they would not have been able to handle that information. It would have astounded them. And secondly, I submit to you that they would not have understood what Jesus was saying. They had to experience it for themselves. See, many times understanding comes when we encounter, when we encounter God. So as we're traveling through open water, we've got we've to look at our limitations. We've got to understand that we have limitations and it's okay because we trust the one who doesn't. Secondly, we have to look at what we do have. We have to look at what we do have. In the disciples' case, as they're in this season between resurrection and, and Pentecost and after Pentecost, they've got a promise from the Father, and they had one another. See, another account of when Jesus ascended in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, I want us to hear the language here. It says, Jesus is speaking here, and he says, And look, I'm sending you what my Father promised, as for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. So this is what they've got. They've got the promise of Jesus and they've got one another. What is Jesus saying? Guess what? The Father has promised a very special gift. I'm going to give it to you. Stay together and you're going to receive this gift. So what did they have? They had the promise and they had each other. And I submit to you guys that we have the same thing today. This is what we have. We can, take around, we can take a look around and look at what we do have. We have the same promise. In fact, uh, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, 39, right when the Holy Spirit fell, as I already mentioned, he stands up, he preaches this message, and in verse 39, it records this. It says, this promise, the Holy Spirit coming and filling people, this is for you and for your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Guys, this, this goes down to the, through the generations to us today. This is still what we have. See, guys, in a time like this, in a time where we're quarantined in our homes, in a time of difficulty, some of us losing our jobs, there's relational difficulties as we're, we're locked in tight quarters with family members. We, it's so easy for us to look at what we don't have. It's so easy to say, I don't have the money. I don't have the car. I don't have the right house. I don't have a husband. I don't have a wife. I don't have children. It's so easy to say, I don't have these things. But in a time like this, can I encourage us to look at what you do have, 
What do you have, church? You have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have the fact that your sins have been fully absolved by Him. You have the great presence and power of the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. You have a place in the family of God. You have been given a new name. This is what we have. This is what we have. So when times get rough, we have to remember not to abandon what we have. It was several years ago when I was a younger teenager, I was on a camping trip with my aunt and uncle, and we were camping uh, along the, the shores of Lake Charlevoix. And it was a classically beautiful summer day, the kind that we rarely get in this state. And it was in the 90s, the sun was beating down, it was a beautiful beach day, and Lake Charlevoix was just beautiful. And another young guy and I decided to get into one of those yellow rubber rafts that have the plastic oars. And we thought we we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna row our boat all the way to the other side of the lake and then come back. Just spend the day kind of out on the open water. And, the, you know, the, the, the other side was pretty far away. It's kind, you could kind of barely see it. And we're rowing along, just enjoying the nice sunshine. And we get right about in the middle of the lake. And I look over to my right and I will never forget the image that I see charcoal black clouds with a little bit of green mixed in churning and moving towards us off of Lake Michigan. It was terrifying. So I start, we start rowing as hard as we can to try to get to the shore. I would say we were about two, maybe 300 yards away from the other side of the lake and the wind just kicks up and blows us right back to the middle of the lake. And we're in this rubber raft being tossed about, being blown about, and it is just crazy waves are breaking over the boat filling up the raft and i just have one thought i've got to get to the other side of this lake i have got to get to dry land i got to get out of these open waters it was awful and so we're you know kind of panics trying to set up we're trying to figure out how to how to steer this boat being blown all around the lake and there's nobody else out there as soon as those clouds appeared, it's like all the boats that were there just gone. They just took shelter. And here we are alone in this lake. And so I, I just got so desperate that I thought, you know what? I can't row this boat because it's a rubber raft being blown around. I think we should just jump out of the boat and swim for shore because at least we can make it kind of if we swim. Now, luckily, we had life jackets on. And we put the life jackets on and we jump in the water. And I kid you not, a gust of wind comes and picks the boat up and we watch this raft flip end over end and it is gone. We never did find that raft and I still owe a rubber raft to my Uncle Brian. I'm so sorry, Uncle Brian. So anyway, we're in the water and we're making our way towards the shore and it's proving much more difficult than I thought. And it is just this awful situation. Finally, kind of one of the last boats on the lake did see us and we're waving our hands and they come over and they pick us up and put us in the water. And the captain of the boat says, why were you guys floating in the middle of this lake without a boat? Where's your boat? And I, and I told him what we did. I said, well, we couldn't row. So I, we jumped out and started to swim towards shore. And the captain looked at me and said, never abandon your vessel. And so in times like this, it's good that we don't abandon what we do have. We take stock at what God has given us in Christ. And lastly, lastly, we need to keep our eyes on the destination. Keep our eyes on the destination. When you're in open water, when you're in difficult seasons, when you're in times like these, we've got to keep, our, there is a destination. We've got to keep our eyes on the destination. For the, for the disciples, the destination was, as Jesus put it, the ends of the earth. 
but even more specifically, that they would be witnesses of the gospel, that they would be witnesses of what they had seen and, and heard and experienced with Jesus. See, what is a witness? A witness is someone who testifies of what they've seen or heard. And that's what these guys were going to be. That's what Jesus said you're going to be. And on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God comes and fills Peter and fills the disciples, it all makes sense. What was hidden, what was a mystery for thousands of years, all of a sudden made sense in one moment that God wanted a people that would be possessed by him and that would share him with the ends of the earth, that God was looking for sons and daughters, that God wanted to be so close that he wanted to share the essence of who he is, the spirit of who he is, and actually drop that inside and fuse it with the human spirit so that we would be a peculiar people made up of every tribe and tongue and language and nation. That was the mystery long hidden. And now in one moment, because of the illumination of the spirit of God, it made sense. And Peter was able to stand up on that day and, and expound the scriptures in a way that he'd never had before. He had the, all the knowledge. Now he had the knowledge with the encounter and with the experience. And, I, and guys, that's our destination. That is our destination to be people of scripture and to be people of spirit. See, guys, I, I don't believe it's one or the other. I don't believe it's one or the other. I don't believe that somehow scripture balances out spirit and spirit somehow balances out scripture. And, you know, hey, don't don't get too heady. Don't don't study too much because then you're going to get too heady. You got to add spirit to it. Or, oh, no, don't get over too much over here in the spirit. You got to add scripture to it. No, I submit to you that these these two things, these two things, the scripture and the person of the Holy Spirit work together. So my encouragement dive deep into both. Eat the scripture as much as you can. Drink the spirit as much as you can. And that is our destination. That is what will create in us the kind of peculiar people that God is calling us to be. See, in Matthew chapter 22, uh, during the ministry of Jesus, he was talking to the Pharisees one day. The Pharisees were the, were the theologians of their day. They were the kind of the, um, the spiritual leaders of their day. And he's speaking to them and he says to them, you Pharisees are in error because you do not know the scriptures and you do not know the power of God. What a scathing criticism that Jesus brought to these theologians. How could he say they didn't know the scripture? You got to remember these guys had, had memorized the first five books of the Bible while they were still children. The first five books of the Bible, they had it memorized. Not only, not only that, they did believe in the power of God. They believed in the supernatural as opposed to the Sadducees who were kind of the liberal theologians of their day. The Sadducees didn't believe in anything supernatural. They didn't believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees did. And here Jesus is saying, you don't know scripture or the power of God. Can I submit to you guys that Jesus was saying, Pharisees, people, friends, you cannot know scripture without the illumination of the spirit of God. See, Pharisees, you might know the page. You might have every word memorized. You might know where all the punctuation is, but you don't even recognize the word in flesh when it's walking among you. And that was the criticism. And that was what God, that's what Jesus was calling his followers to be, to know more than just a page, 
to not just know the page, but to know the person, to not just have the knowledge, but have the encounter so that they could be witnesses of what they have seen and what they have heard. Can I submit to you guys? Can I encourage you with something today at the end of this? quarantine at the end of this season, as the season shifts and as it changes, can I tell you, can I encourage you? We're going to be witnesses of what we've seen and heard. Church, we're going to be witnesses of the faithfulness of God. We are going to be witnesses of the power of God. We're going to be witnesses of the provision of God. We're going to be witnesses of the fellowship of the spirit. We're going to be witnesses of what we have seen and heard because we have, because we are in relationship with a God who is active among us. We're witnesses. And that's what God is calling us to do. On the day of Pentecost, the world was about to be overcome with a movement of ordinary people that were filled with an extraordinary God. And that movement is still continuing today over 2,000 years later. And you and I are a part of it. You and I are a part of it. So I submit, I submit to you today that two huge waypoints in finding our destination is the power of Scripture illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. So on the other side of this open water, we're going to be witnesses of God's goodness and His faithfulness. And I want to encourage this church, let's keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the author of our faith, and He's also the finisher of our faith. What Jesus began in us, He will be faithful to complete until the day that he comes again and sets everything right. So even in this season, even in this difficulty, God is working something in you to his glory and to his goodness. And we're going to be able to testify of his goodness on the other side of this. So let's keep our eyes on him as he leads us through this open water. I want to pray for you and bless you today. King Jesus, thank you that you're here with us. Spirit of God, we recognize you as the third member of the Trinity in perfect union with the Son, in perfect union with the Father. Thank you that you're here with us, that you're filling us, that you're, that you're speaking through us, that you're loving through us, that you're changing us into the image of Jesus Christ more and more each day as we submit to you. Oh, great Father, Abba, Father, it is by the Spirit of God that we can cry out to you and say, you are our Abba. You are our daddy. You are our God and you are near to us. And we make, we make it our, our goal and we make it our desire to be like that child that spoke about in Psalm 131, that weaned child who is calm in the arms of his mother. We can say that that's where we are. And we are in your arms, Father, that you are with us, that you are embracing us and that you are surrounding us. And I, and I pray right now that, that, that your people, that whoever is joining us even now would, would sense that embrace, would sense that embrace by the nearness, nearness of the Spirit. And Jesus, thank you that you are the Son, that you died for us, that you forgave us of our sins, that you are leading us into resurrected life more and more each day. And we look forward to the day when you return to this earth we love you, we honor you, and we bless you. And I pray your blessing over every home, blessings of peace in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, bless you guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. We'll see you soon.